Good morning. Muy buenos días. It's so good to see you. It's always great to come and share with you a little bit. And uh, it's really privileged. I want to thank uh, Pastor Dan uh, and uh, Pastor Becky as well and the whole pastoral team that um, put to all this service together and give me space to come share some thoughts with you about the Word of God. It's always great. Um, you know, as we were thinking uh, trying to decipher what uh, the world that we live in, the times that we live in, um, I think it's important how we see life and how do we face life, not just how, what opinion do I have or what perspective do I have. And at the same time, what do I have on my side to face those obstacles, to face life, to face the day-to-day -day and the routines and the, everything that goes on uh, in your family and your own body and uh, your place of work, your place of worship, everything that happens, you know, it's good to know what is on my side, what do I have, what do I count with to be able to understand also the times that we live in. And I love, uh, I would like to start with uh, reading you one little verse that uh, it's very deep, but you probably heard it many, many, many times. In this Matthew uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 8, this is what Jesus said. Blessed are those who are, or those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, this is very important because the word that was used there for pure it's the word kataros um, that merely means a purged heart. Now, that changed the perspective because I always thought that a pure heart was a heart that was never lied of, that was never abused, taken advantage, you know. It was just like in its package, you know. It was never touched. They were never used, you know. But actually what it means here is Something that at some point had a struggle, that maybe it was contaminated, maybe it had issues, it has troubles, it faced circumstances, and at one point it was even stuck. The word cat is also the root word for what we know as a catheter. And we know it's a medical term, a medical tool, when there needs to be a release of fluids from the body that the body cannot get rid of. So it's a tool that is used for that. Meaning, there's things that need to be out of your life, but something happens along the way, and they get stuck. It's things that will happen in our lives. And we can say, oh, don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's fine. And I always have a concern when people tell me that, you know? Because it's something that may be fixed in five minutes, and they'll be angry with me for months, you know? You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, just, just leave it like that. No, let's talk about it. It needs to be purged. It needs to be taken care of. And it's really important as we see God and we see the perspective of life and what's next for this season, that we have clarity. That vision not necessarily comes from a plan or a business plan of, of, of a program. It comes from a purged heart. If you want to see God, you need to forgive you need to let go. And, and we all know the things that hurt us. You know all the things that will be um, holding us back. And if you don't know what's holding you back, just answer, what are you looking at? 
Because if you want to have a vision, you should be looking at God. And to be able to see God, you need to have a perched heart. And it's very important to have a purified heart, one that has experienced contamination, one that has experienced struggle. And even Jesus goes into saying this in Luke 17, verse 1. It says, now this is what Jesus is saying, right? Because for so many times I've heard, oh, just don't be offended. And it sounds great, but I'm always asking, how do you do that? How do you not get offended when people are mean to you, when, when stuff happens and, and there's struggles and you wake up and, and you have all this stuff going on? How do you not get affected by it, you know? Like, I, I want to know what's going on until I read what was going on here with Jesus. Actually, he says, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. And what he is saying is, Pretty much, you want to be offended? Get married. <laughs> you want to be offended? Have children. You want to be offended? Come to church. You want to be offended? Start a business. You want to be offended? Wake up. <laughs> Pretty much, that's what it's saying. It is impossible to live without being offended. The issue is not not being offended. Is how long do you stay offended? What's the impact in your life? And how does that affect what you're seeing? If you're not seeing God, you're seeing yourself, you're seeing your mistakes, you're seeing your errors, you're seeing your struggles, your pain, your need. And what we're talking is how do we see God in the middle of our situation. That doesn't mean that things don't hurt. It doesn't mean that we don't have struggles or troubles. We don't go through things. It means that we have a vision. And I love the um, author of the book of Hebrews when he says, you know, fixing my eyes, it means it doesn't come natural. My tendency is to look at my pain. My tendency is to look at my calendar about the things that need to get done and, and how life is and what I turn the TV on. That, that's my tendency. But it says fixing my eyes on Jesus, author and uh, maker of our faith. And it's interesting that, you know, we all have opinions on things. And, and I'm not short of opinions on anything. Pretty much, you know, I'll have an opinion on the things I know. I'll have opinions on the things I think I know. But especially, I'll have opinions on things I don't know anything about. That's, that is exactly my expertise. I will have opinions on things I don't understand and don't know. We all have opinions, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having an opinion. It's actually part of, of who you are and expressing your point of view and your uniqueness and, and on how things, you know, you see things. But, but the nature and result of opinions is to divide, you know. You cannot not have opinions. They're part of your preferences and choices. For example, I know many of you will say that chocolate ice cream is your favorite flavor. I'll tell you, the best one is peppermint. <laughs> and I can test you on it. 
And you can say, oh, well, I like vanilla. And, I like, and there's nothing wrong with, with saying what you prefer. It is that we have a point of view of life, but what is it that God has given us? And it is important that question is, what God has God anointed in your life? Because I know one thing he has anointed in my life. Maybe my opinion, sometimes, he has anointed my testimony. You have a testimony. Because the truth of the matter is that my opinion is based on what I like. But my testimony is built on what he has done and is doing. You are here today as a result of his provision of daily mercies. He has granted you another day so you could walk on the good works he has already set beforehand for your benefit. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we worship. That's why we're, we have gratitude because, not just because I have a taste and preference on things, but because he has given you a testimony. He has provided for you enough mercies that as a response, you can only say, thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. There's a song that we sing when we raise a hallelujah. And we say that, you know, my melody is a weapon. My testimony is a weapon. And so it is important that we understand that we can have opinions, but what God has anointed is my testimony. I want you to go to the second book of Kings, chapter 8, verse 1 through 6. And this is a really great story. It's one of those stories that you read it, but you read it too fast. Kind of like, you know, where's David, you know? Kind of like, I want to get to the good stuff, you know? And just through reading. And I've skipped this story so many times. I've read it and never paid attention to it until recently. And I, I really enjoyed it. And I want to give you a couple of thoughts on it. And it's uh, 2 Kings chapter 8, verse 1. It says, Now Elijah spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go with your household and live wherever you can live. For the Lord has called for a famine, and it will be indeed come to, on the land for seven years. So the woman arose and acted in accordance with the word of the man of God. That, it's all good to, to there. She's obedient to the voice of God. So she went with her household and resided in the land of the Philistines for seven years. Then at the end of the seven years, the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, and she went to appeal to the king for her house and for her field. Something had happened when she came back. She had lost what was hers. And it's interesting because, you know, we think that Christianity is about winning. But what happens, and I, but let me tell you, if, if, if you're new in the church and new in the faith, you just get ready. Because this is part of living in Christianity. Not everything is winning, but what happens when we sacrifice for doing the right thing? What happens the things that we lose in obeying God? What happens to the things that get lost along the way 
of being faithful to him. And this is exactly what has happened. She went for seven years because God told her, told her to. She goes and comes back, and what was hers now is lost. Now the king was speaking with Gehazi, and the servant of the man of God saying, Please report to me all the great things that Elijah has done. And he was reporting to the king how he had restored the lie to life the one who was dead. Behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and for her field. And Gehazi said, My lord, the king, this is the woman and this is her son whom Elijah restored to life. When the king asked the woman, she told everything to him. So the king appointed an officer for her, saying, Restore all that was hers and all the produce of the field from the day that she left the land until even now. This uh, Shunammite woman lost for doing the right thing. And for us, there's a you know, religious side of us that will say, you know, I will just you know, I will lose that because that will make me holier, you know, that we, we will lose that because that will get me closer to Jesus. And, and a lot of things you have to confront and you have to uh, get release of, of things that are unnecessary. But what happens with good, when good things go wrong? And I understand when we make the mistakes, when we make bad choices and we have consequences for that, but what happens when Things that belong to us are lost because we did the right thing. This woman, what I like about when she comes back, she could have stayed there saying, well, glory be to God. I lost. Glory be to God. You know, he, he knows what he's going to do. And just says, all right, Lord, you do whatever you need to do. I like the fact that she has the right attitude. Maybe not the right uh, outcome that she was expecting. You know, life is full of surprises. She was not expecting that. That was not part of the deal. You know, it's like, I'm going to follow God. And he's going to protect my house. And, you know, I'm going to do the, the Lord's work and he will take care of you. You know, what happens when, and the process of it, it looks like it didn't happen. The outcome is different than what we were expecting. And we can get caught in feeling Offended, even by God, even by life, even by church, even by family, even by just things of the past and what we have done and what could have been and should have been and I should be here and I should be there and this should have happened. If I was the one doing this, I, you know, the, the things will be different. What happens with her life? And I love the fact that she gets up and she goes into confront properly to ask for what is hers. She has the right attitude in saying, I am not going to get stuck on what I lost. I am not going to get stuck on what was stolen from me. I'm not going to get stuck and say, well, Lord. And it's kind of like a pseudo-religious, almost more than holy attitude saying, well, you know, I'm just not attached to those things. But they're still hurt. It, they, they still bother us. They still keep you up at night. They still steal your peace. 
And you may re get released of it momentarily, but I love the attitude of this woman that, yes, it was something that uh, it was taken from her. It was not fair. It was not right. But she knows how to get up and confront it properly. Like I said before, a lot of times, you know, when we deal with relationships, people say, oh, just, just, just leave it like that and, and just not talk about it. And obviously it depends on the situation. But even when going back to Luke 17, Jesus said, hey, if you, if you have something, if something is going on with your brother, go there and confront. There's a proper way of, of dealing with this because it will get a hold of you and it will get a hold of your future. And I'm not here to say that your pain it doesn't hurt enough. I'm not here to say, you just get over it. I'm not saying, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It probably did. I, I don't know your story. I don't know what you've gone through. I don't know exactly how much it took from you. But what I'm here to say is, you need to confront it. So many times we'll just hide it, but the problem is that we get stuck with it. This woman said, I am not getting stuck with this. And so she gets up, you know, and she walks to her restoration. She could have stayed in her frustration, but decided to stand up and go after what belonged to her. Now, this is something that we need to understand, that restoration is something that you walk to. Restoration is not something that will come to you by granted. It's not a magic potion that you just drink. It's nothing that it just happens magically. You have to get up and make a conscious decision to be restored. You have to make the decision to confront those fears, to confront those demons, to confront even what the devil has stolen from you, to confront properly, not just in anger and frustration and, and you know, ha having the, the boxing gloves, but properly. She knew what... Her rights were. She knew what, how to confront it. She gets up and goes to the king. It's great what is happening here. You need to know what God has given you. You need to know the authority that he has placed upon your life. You need to know. That's why I'm saying that he has anointed your testimony. If there's something that you can give, there's a weapon that you have it's your testimony. And while she's on the road to the king's place, this is great because we may face things here and we've, it's like God has not spoken, right? God is silent. He is just waiting for our response. But just because he is silent in this here doesn't mean he's not working here. That's why it's so important to get up. That's why it's so important to confront these issues. That's why it's so important to show up to that. And no, there's a testimony that God has anointed in my life. And that's what we're going to act on. While she was on the road, the king had a curiosity at the same time about what God has done. And ask this character go called Gehazi or Gehesai, the people have different pronunciations. And it's interesting that he is at the court of the king. Last time we saw him was a couple of chapters before, 
in Second uh, uh, Kings chapter 5. And, you know, he had done a terrible mistake. You know, he had taken what was not his, and Elijah curses him and says, you have now leprosy, and your generations will have forever leprosy. And that's the, that's the end of the story. We don't see any more of the Gehazi. But now we see him here at the king's court. So something had happened along the way because, you know, with leprosy, he could not be in front of the king. He could not be with the king or anywhere near the king or the court. So something, some kind of restoration have had to happen. Now he's restored at the king's palace. And it's interesting that the king asks him, hey, what does, tell me about the wonders that Elijah did, Elisha did. Why not Moses? He didn't know Moses. It would have been a reference. Why not the others? Why Elisha, the one that cursed me? Why Elijah, the one that hurt me? Why Elijah? Why, why do you have to bring that up? It's only been four chapters. <laughs> I mean, it's fresh. Why, why, why do I need to confront what hurt me? And Gehazi is at the place. Now, think about it. He is at the place where he could say, ha, now they're going to know about Elisha. I, I'm going I'm to make sure he gets canceled. I'm, I'm going to make sure that nobody invites him to the churches anymore. I'm, I'm at a place where, oh, he, the, the king will know what, what he did to me. And he takes his personal issue. I don't know how he felt about it. But just think about it. Last time we saw him, because one mistake, because one issue, he cursed him. And he had leprosy. He could not work. He could not do anything anymore. And he had this position in him. What did he decide to do? He started talking about his testimony. He started talking about glorifying God, what God had done through a man who caused him pain. What God had done even through imperfect people. What God had done even through things that were not fair. And it's interesting that the king asks, tell me, I want to hear about the great things. And, and he pretty much, Gehazi, starts talking about what happened in 2 Kings chapter 4. And, it, you know, tells him about the oil, the oil and, and tells him about this woman, the Shunammite woman, that he was, she was important. She had influence. And she always prepare a place for Elisha and Gehazi to come and, and stay. And, and they're all wondering, you know, what can we do for her? Do you need an audience with the king? No, 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 you know, we're friends with the king. And oh, do, you, do you need to talk with the general? No, 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 I, I know him very well. I don't need anything. It is so good, you know, keeping appearances as much as they could. But God knew the small frustrations. God knew what was unspoken. God knew the things that go beyond the appearances. And God will take care, even he wants to free us, even of the small things that nobody knows about. He wants to restore even the things, the small frustrations, the struggles, the, the prayers that, that you're probably saying, I hope nobody hears this prayer. 
I'll be ashamed if pastor heard my prayer like this. That, you know, even, even my wife or my husband, no one would hear this. But it's deep in our hearts. If even that voice, that even small prayer, God wants to restore. And Gehazi has a good eye and, and, and he tells, well, she doesn't have, um, she doesn't have uh, descendants, she doesn't have any kids, and her husband is, is of age. And, and then uh, Elisha prophesies and, and she's like, please don't, just don't talk about this. It's brought too much pain. It, it, this is not an easy topic for me. And he prophesies and then a year happens and, and um, you know, the, the kid is born and a couple of years happen and the kid is in the field with the father. And then he says, oh, my head, my head. And the, the, the father goes and he does exactly what a good father will say, take him to his mom. That's exactly, you read about it. That's exactly what he says, like, take it to his mom, you know. He didn't know what else to do. Take it to his mom, and then she puts him in, you know, in bed, and they call Elijah because she's saying, I had a small frustration. You know what? I didn't ask for this. I had small frustration in my heart. I had a small desire. And I was prophesied, God gave me a son, and now he's it's taking it from me. And Elijah comes, and uh, he's brought to life, and you know the rest of the story. I love about this uh, woman that while she walked to confront her issues, God was opening the door for her restoration. To the point that when she walks into the king's court, Gehazi was telling about her. You, only God could do something like that. Because as he was saying about, you know, 2 Kings 4, he's telling the story. Suddenly, you know, she, she shows up with her son. She's thinking that she's going to confront the king and appeal to restore what was hers. She thinks that justice is going to be served and, and all you will get to hear me, what, what had happened to me, was taken from me. And at the same time, God is dealing with the heart of the king through curiosity, through a thirst, through hunger, saying, I want to hear, tell, tell me about what happened. And, and as Gehazi was saying, she shows up. And I ask you, what would have happened if this woman stayed in her anger and missed the opportunity God was setting up? And, 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 and I had to ask myself this, how many opportunities have I missed that God has set for me that I missed because I was angry? Because I was upset. Because I was hurt. Because I had a bad experience. Because it was holding me back. Because I said, no, no, no. I can't move forward past this. You don't know what, what, how much it hurt. And God was sending up opportunity for her restoration without telling her. And, and that's the thing, that God will open the door without necessarily telling you he's opening one. You have to trust him. And you have to trust his testimony in you. And she comes. And she probably came with documents and, you know, mortgages and, you know, legal stuff. I don't know what kind of papers they will have back then. And just, I don't know what it was. And, you know, uh, testimonies of others saying, no, no, that, that lamb belonged to her. But what I love 
about this story is that she came with an evidence called her son. She said, this is the evidence of my testimony. What, I be, what, what, what you've been hearing, it's not just words. It's not just, you know, an uh, eloquent uh, story. Here's my testimony. Here's the evidence. And now she's got the king's attention. She could have used it to complain. She could have said, you know, I, I listened to God and, and people were taking advantage of me. And, you know, while I was busy doing the Lord's work, something happened and that was not right. And why would, why me, God? Why, why would it happen to me? Why do I have to go through this if I'm a good person? If I'm faithful? And, and you know, we used to hear, come to Christ and, and all of your problems will go away. You know what? Sometimes it feels come to Christ and more problems you will have every day. But it doesn't mean that you will have more problems necessarily or you will have no problems at all. But you have somewhere to go. You have somebody that is there for you. You, have, you know where to go. You know where, where to have this answer from heaven. It is she knows. She gets the attention. She could have used it to complain. She could have set her anger, unleash her anger. She could get back to the people who stole her, who did wrong to her. But you know what? She decided to testify about what God had done in her life and in her son's life. She could have used that opportunity to complain. She could have used that opportunity to set the record straight. But she used it to testify. She used it to glorify the Lord and to go back. And that is such a crucial thing. As we move forward as we say, Lord, what is the next season for us, for our family, for our church, for our own life? Because it feels like there are so many things happening in the world and you can get blurred and it's not clear to see, but where do we go from here? The aspect is what has, gone, what has God done in your life? Maybe you don't have the clarity on things, but you know one thing for sure. That he's been faithful to you. That you have a testimony that he has anointed in your life. I love that she decided to testify. The door that had opened, and this is all that everything that I've said comes down to this. The door that had opened, her next stage was telling what God had done. The door that was open for her was her testimony. I know all of us are struggling. I know we all have opinions. I know we all have perspectives. I know we all have preferences. We all have issues on things. But to be able to see the future, to be able to open to the next stage in our life, I'm here to tell you, let your testimony open the next door. Let your testimony, that anointed testimony, open the door in your life. God is interested in using your voice, but he wants you to talk about his goodness, his mercy, his faithfulness. 
Now I understand what the psalmist said. It was good for me that I was afflicted. Now I understand. I, I didn't understand what I was going through. I didn't understand why while I was facing the pain. But he said, now look back. Now I know why it hurt. It was good for me to be afflicted. Because that made me understand what your statures are. It made me understand how you work. It made me closer to you. What you're going through, what you're facing, is, Lord, purifying your heart, purifying your testimony, because you have a weapon that is what he has anointed and is your testimony. What are you seeing today? Can you see God? What are you seeing today? And like I said before, if you're not seeing God, you're seeing yourself, you're seeing issues, you're seeing pain. And that's just a cycle that we get through life, unresolved conflict. We just don't know. We just get angry. We just get frustrated. And time passes, but we get stuck. And I really believe that one of the biggest issues that we face, biggest challenges that we face today is the temptation to get stuck. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we all have to agree on everything. That, that's, that's not the truth. We don't have to agree on everything, you know. God didn't give us a, a spirit of uniformity. He gave us unity. We can, we can disagree on things, but what will open the door is our testimony. What are you seeing today? What people are seeing through you. On social media, on family reunions, social gatherings, at home. Are we going to be known for our opinions? Or are we going to be known for our testimony? There's nothing wrong with one. But I know for sure where's power. And it's what the, what the Lord has done in your life and in my life. And that's what gives, the, gives us hope. That's what gives us faith for the next thing to happen. Let your testimony open the door for your future. Let's close our eyes. Lord, we want to thank you this day because you have created a path. You have created good works for all of us. You have created, Lord, amazing things before us, Lord. And uh, purify our hearts, Lord. It's easy to say, look up to Jesus. But sometimes those experiences hurt. What was stolen, what was taken. That pure heart made us a pure heart, a purged heart. Let anything, Lord, any anger, frustration, anything that's holding us back, Lord, that it has been dividing us, that has been distracting us, that has been demanding our attention, demanding our energy, so we can pour continually on that. Lord, we want to give up on that. Because we want to see you, Lord. We just don't want to have services and religion and 
We want to see you, Lord. Through this season, let us see you, Lord. Perch our hearts of all the unnecessary, contaminated things of this world. Even if they're personal preferences. Even if there are things that will get in the way of your work. Let your testimony open the door for my future, Lord. Let your testimony open the door of the future of my beloved brothers and sisters. Let your testimony open the door for this beautiful church. Let your testimony of your goodness, Lord, be glorified in everything, Lord. And help us, Lord, as you place us in, in places of influence with other people, let us remember that we're here to talk about your glory, to bring you honor, and talk about your goodness, that my mouth, that my thoughts will be purified and will understand that even when I have struggles and even when I don't agree with things, I will be known for talking about your goodness and not necessarily the things that make me angry or upset. Let the door be open for your testimony in our lives. Because even at the end of Revelation, it says, those overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Let that be done in Jesus' name. Amen.